Hello everyone, welcome to Narcissism Recovery Podcast, produced by the Magnolia Healing Center. I'm your host, Yitz Epstein. In this podcast, we will be delving into topics related to narcissistic abuse, codependency, childhood wounds, childhood trauma, mental illness, and all things narcissism. The purpose of this podcast is to bring widespread awareness and healing to the global epidemic of narcissism and codependency. It is my hopes that with this podcast, we can collectively create an environment of health and healing for you, the individual, and for the world at large. Let's begin. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. Today, we're going to be discussing communication in relationships. I would argue that the number one issue that plagues intimacy and plagues our relationships today is the inability to communicate in a safe, loving, compassionate way, in a way that is non-threatening and non-violent. In addition, many, in many instances, when partners struggle to communicate, the thing that they are actually arguing or struggling to communicate over, or what seems to be the source of the conflict, is in fact not the source at all, but rather an indication of a much deeper issue, a much deeper struggle. Usually at the heart of our relationship struggles, our inability to communicate effectively is, in essence, the struggle to meet the need for intimacy, to feel seen, validated, heard, accepted, to feel safe, to express our feelings and concerns. So in this podcast episode, I want to discuss some of the ways in which we can work to improve communication in our relationships, specifically our intimate ones. And I want to offer some tips so that we can develop healthier patterns of communication, which give our relationships the necessary foundation and environment for healthy and sustainable intimacy. Before we begin, I want to suggest a wonderful book. This is Nonviolent Communication by Dr. Marshall Rosenberg. This is a really great book. It's very popular and, and for great reasons. This, this book was very helpful in helping me learn nuances in communication, and uh, it helps you just learn how you can communicate in a way that allows other people to feel accepted, loved, and uh, work through any, any disagreements or conflicts to get optical, optimal outcomes in relationships and success in our intimate lives. Now to begin, it is long understood that human connection or intimacy is one of the most fundamental and basic needs that we have. As much as we like to think that we can live without this basic need or that we can be totally alone, that we're truly independent, the truth of the matter is, is that in order to truly thrive, to be happy, healthy, and grow as human beings, we need people. We need intimacy. In order to be happy, healthy, and, and successful as human beings, in order to self-actualize and grow to our full potential, we need other people and we need to be able to connect with others in order to meet this need for intimacy. Now, communication is one of the main avenues in which we connect with others, in which intimacy occurs. Communication is how we bridge the gap between people and with healthy communication, we're able to connect in a healthy way. Uh, communication skills can be seen as the tools we need in order for healthy intimacy to occur. Now, faulty ways of communication are going to create barriers and disconnection in our intimate relationships, and ultimately they're going to break down the avenue to meet this very fundamental and basic need of intimacy. And this is why it's so vital to pay attention to how we communicate, and if we are communicating in ways that are not healthy, that are destructive, that are sabotaging, to take steps to assure that we correct that and that we are communicating in a transparent, authentic, compassionate, empathic, patient, loving, sensitive, and vulnerable way. Now, violent communication, on the other hand, can be seen as the most destructive force against intimacy, and regardless of our desire to stay connected to our intimate partners or to other people, and despite our well-meaning intentions to maintain intimacy, violent communication continuously is going to erode the very bedrock of 
intimacy, making it nearly impossible to trust, to be vulnerable, and allow ourselves to uh, let go and love and be loved. Now, relationships that continuously engage in violent communication, fighting, stonewalling, arguing, passive aggression, and other forms of emotional violence, uh, they're operating from a certain premise. The premise is that in order for me to feel safe, to love, and to trust, and in order for intimacy to occur, I need to be right. In essence, if I am wrong, then I'm less than, I'm powerless, and therefore I'm open to potentially being hurt, being taken advantage of. The logic continues that if I'm right, right, I don't have to be vulnerable. I can then therefore trust because I'm sort of fortified or defended behind my intellectual defenses. Now, relationships like these are almost always going to break down because the environment and the energy created in the space where love and intimacy should be becomes a war zone where each partner is uh, vying for control. And the intention of these relationships is that safety and therefore intimacy can only exist if we feel in control of our partner or the experience or ourselves. So in essence, the need for control in relationships is a reflection of the inability to let go, to trust, and be vulnerable. Now, regardless of the sort of surface level arguments, which in many instances are quite silly, if you think about them, sometimes we're just arguing over what to make for dinner, right? Arguments, conflicts, and chaos are the relationship pattern. That, that becomes a way of communicating because in every single moment of intimacy, there is potential threat of being hurt. And so when we have a continuous battle for control to protect from letting go and being vulnerable, uh, that becomes the sort of communication pattern. So in essence, at the core of that is just the struggle to trust, to be vulnerable, to let go. And uh, therefore the fighting and the chaos and the uh, disagreements and the, the combat becomes a way of sort of distracting from the inability to let go and trust, and we'll find anything to argue about. Now, intimacy, by definition, requires that we expose ourselves and we allow ourselves to be seen in our authentic and vulnerable state. And this, I would argue, is the deepest fear of human beings, the fear of being seen as we are in our raw, naked self, as we are. Now, while joy and happiness experienced when we are open and vulnerable uh, in this state. It's very blissful. It's enjoyable. Ultimately, there is potential for betrayal, rejection, hurts, criticism, and ultimately those are something that we try to avoid. So in many instances, we want intimacy for the good times, and we're attracted to intimacy for the thrills and for the bliss and for the joy. But at the same time, we also don't want to get hurt. We don't want the potential hurts that, that accompany it. Now, whenever we are communicating with other people, there's so much more that's being communicated than the actual words that we're using. When we are communicating in harsh ways, let's say silent treatment or stonewalling or criticizing, using a harsh tone, uh, using hurtful, let's say facial expressions, these are all communicating something and they're all a form of communication. Now, because human beings are deeply sensitive and intuitive to others' energy, whether we are aware of it or not, we are always picking up on these small nuances, these meta-communications of the things that are maybe not being said overtly or outright, but ultimately are being communicated. And you can say that we are sensitive to energy or the intention or the emotion behind what is being said or what is not being said, and this is enough to, to send a strong, violent, emotional uh, expression or communication to our partner. Ultimately, that can be uh, very disconnecting, be very hurtful. Now, so many of us, in our reactivity, in our pain, without realizing it, send subtle messages to other people, to our partner, to our intimate partner specifically, and we are communicating in a way that is violent and uh, even passive aggressive. And these messages are deep and they're hurtful, and like I said, they don't necessarily need to be said outright. 
And when we communicate in a way that's harsh, that's critical, that's violent, we are sending messages to our partner, whether we realize it or not, and whether they realize it or not, that is essentially saying we don't necessarily care about how they feel, that we don't necessarily love them as they are, and uh, that they are less than in messages like this. So now what do we do if we find ourselves in relationships where there's chaos continuously, there's arguing, there's fighting, and a, a lack of necessary safety and peace to build healthy intimacy? No matter what we do, no matter how much we try to resolve the conflicts, there just doesn't seem to be resolution. There's a lack of peace, and ultimately we don't feel like we can, let's say, let our guard down, trust, and truly be intimate. Now the first step is to take a very close look at your relationship blueprint. And by this, I mean we want to explore ways in which we experienced intimacy early on, first with our parents, then maybe our siblings, friends, community, things like that. Chances are the way we are communicating in our intimate relationship is identical for what was normalized for us early on, what we were exposed to, what we witnessed. For example, if let's say in childhood we received the silent treatment as a punishment early on, we may then punish our partners the same way, or we may react to any amount of silence or distance in our partner with let's say crippling fear and anxiety that our partner will leave us. Uh, another example, if we experience arguing and fighting constantly, we may randomly pick a fight when things get calm in order to create the norm of chaos that we're so used to. That was our relationship blueprint. That was considered intimacy. That was normal uh, sort of intimacy early on. Next, we want to open ourselves up to feedback about the way we show up to life, the way we communicate, the way we talk, our communication styles, our patterns, our shortcomings. When we get defensive to this type of information, when we start blaming, projecting, denying, in essence, we're refusing to self-reflect and take a look at our own patterns and ultimately take responsibility for them and correcting them. So only when we have the humility to listen and learn about our own communication patterns could we ultimately take steps to, to correct that. Now, it is each partner's responsibility to facilitate the necessary safety, peace, and overall environment for our partner and for the relationship intimacy to exist. So we must own the part that we play in the chaos, in the violence. And only once we do that can our intimate relationships be an environment that has the potential to thrive. So when we create safety for intimacy, when both partners feel safe to unpack, express, be vulnerable in their total humanness and in their naked in their raw nakedness state in their naked state ultimately we are we are able to uh truly get intimacy but this cannot happen unless we are essentially contributing to creating an environment where we feel safe to do that to show up vulnerable so when we send the message to our partner that they are unconditionally accepted that they're valid as they are no matter what they do they're not going to be rejected or judged and uh, the love that is there for them is unconditional this offers the necessary safety that we need to offer our partner so that to, to in essence, invite them into an intimate space to unpack, to express, and ultimately only once that can happen could we have closeness, could we have true intimacy. Next, intimacy with others begins with being intimate with ourselves. It begins with intimacy within. So if we are communicating to ourselves violently, if we're engaging in negative self-talk, are we self-avoiding or ignoring or criticizing ourselves? Uh, are we uh, blaming ourselves for everything that uh, that goes wrong? Do we shame ourselves, shame our flaws? Do we deny parts of ourselves that we feel are unlovable? All of these are forms of violence towards ourselves. And if we are engaged in violence with ourselves, ultimately we are going to then engage in violence with others because violence with others begins with violence towards the self. So in order to be intimate with other people, we must work to become vulnerable, compassionate, loving, present, present in the moment, caring, aware of ourselves, validating ourselves, accepting ourselves as we are. This is what it means to be intimate with ourselves. If we are not treating ourselves this way, we cannot claim 
to be intimate with ourselves and ultimately we will not be able to have healthy healthy intimacy with another person. If we're not communicating to ourselves that we are lovable, we are acceptable, we are valid as we are, we will not be able to commun communicate that to our partner and ultimately the, the avenues of intimacy will break down. Now I'm sure we've all, all heard the expression that uh, we could either be loved or we could be right. So this is a great quote to really sum up how intimacy works. Intimacy is not a battleground of ego games where the winner takes all, right? If there is a winner, then there are no winners because ultimately there is a loser and ultimately there's not a, a feeling of equality. We don't feel seen, we feel powerless, we feel controlled, and we certainly don't feel respected. So in essence, we don't feel safe to be ourselves. So in essence, we have made an enemy out of our a partner, and then you don't feel comfortable opening up and being vulnerable in such an environment where you feel like you've been made an, an enemy out of. You've been made to feel like other. And no one wants to open up and be vulnerable in a relationship where we could be judged, be belittled, have all our, uh, everything we say or do used against us, have all our insecurities criticized, especially in our most vulnerable state. Uh, state. So if the intention is to be right and to win, which is very much the consciousness of fear, uh, of ego, then we might be right, but we're also going to compromise the, the, the safety and the compassionate non-judgmental space that we need to have in order for intimacy to thrive. So the goal, in order to have intimacy, we must have the intention and the goal to choose love and safety and presence over the need to be right, over the need to be defended, over the need to be comfortable, or the need to hide from ourselves or from our pain. In order for us to have healthy, healthy intimacy, we must learn about ways in which we ourselves are violent and understand that there's probably some wounds that need healing that, that, that violence stems from. So when we notice ourselves in our party in a reactive state, if they're coming from fear, anger, pain, instead of buckling down and protecting our ego uh, and our intellectual stance, which essentially invites more and more combat and then more defensiveness, which ultimately breaks down. We, we need to work to suspend our need to be right and transcend the ego in order to see the human being that is simply struggling to meet needs, uh, needs of, of intimacy, to be seen, heard, loved, accepted as they are. And this takes humility, this takes empathy, this takes compassion as we see other people's pain and we see outside of ourself and are not just focused on our own selves. Uh, this demands getting over our egoic self and transcending the demands of our basic selfish instincts to assist another person in their pain. And when we can see our own inner child, uh, when we can see the, the pain of our, of our partner's inner child and the plate and where they come from, why they're acting this way and not just blaming them for, for making us feel uncomfortable, when we can see them in their pain and we communicate in that moment that they are okay, that they're safe, that they're heard and seen, then they will know that they are accepted in all their sort of messy humanness in their flawed state. And this will allow their partner partners to, to open up and be more vulnerable and ultimately will be a environment that allows for intimacy to thrive, that will allow both partners to show up fully, wholly as they are. Now, when this occurs, when we are allowing for this space to exist, we're then able to enjoy the bliss that comes along with human connection. The feelings of, of being vulnerable, raw, and naked with another person is going to bring incredible joy. And when there is, when there are differences, when there are conflicts, we can appreciate that ultimately we are two separate human beings with, with differences, with uh, things that make us unique, and ultimately that is what makes us beautiful. And this takes work. Uh, this takes dedication and continuous self-reflection and humility to gather the information we need from others on what they need to feel safe and ultimately how we can correct ways in which we show up that don't allow for that safety and don't allow for our partner to unpack and be themselves unconditionally. And this takes 
continuous correction of maladaptive defenses and fear-based ways of, of operating, of being inwardly, and then shifting into communicating in ways that are sensitive, compassionate, that are safe, uh, and ultimately inviting of our loved ones to be themselves, to express themselves, and trust that no matter how they show up, they will be safe to do so, regardless of how we are being made to feel in that moment. So I really hope that this podcast episode uh, inspired you to take a look at ways in which you communicate, ways in which you may not even realize you're communicating, and realize that at the end of the day, we are responsible for what we put out into the universe. We are responsible for the energy we put out. We are responsible for the way we communicate. We are always communicating. Even if we are not saying anything, communication happens on many different levels. We can communicate energetically, emotionally, spiritually. Uh, there's nuances that we want to pay attention to. And if we are communicating in a violent way, we take steps to communicate with compassion, with love, with empathy, with sympathy, uh, with sensitivity. And this allows intimacy to thrive because each partner will feel like they can be themselves authentically in the moment, which ultimately brings human connection. That's what brings fulfillment. And that's what we are all striving for in our intimate relationships. Thank you all so very much for joining me for today's episode. Until next time, all the best.